the blast from our past network. Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast, where the podcast that gives you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and a whole lot more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm Adam. I'm John. And today, we are talking some uh, funky properties here, some kind of odd pairings, odd groupings of, pe- of uh, people, if you will. Mm-hmm. And we're going to start things off by talking the 1989 film Weekend at Bernie's. And then we're going to talk the TGIF show, Perfect Strangers. So we thought those two would kind of go, just kind of like, eh, odd groupings. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> an odd like, odd couple theme. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's some stuff I definitely uh, watched weekends at Bernie's, Perfect Strangers, less, but I knew about of it, of course. Mm-hmm. And so we'll talk more about each of those. And uh, I want to get our minds back to 1989. Uh, it's a year I think we've done many times. Yep. So, John, set us back. The film was released on July 5th, 1989. The Billboard Top 100 single for that week was Baby, Baby Don't Forget My Number by Millie Vanilli. Nice. That's a good one. Uh, Topping the Nielsen ratings is the show that Adam and I just talked about, Cheers. Okay. And uh, gamers on the NES had just been playing for a couple months the game that I know Adam and I played a ton when we were a kid, and it was very, very hard, and that was the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game for the NES. Yeah, I I could never really effectively get past that swimming level. Right. Um, that was so tough. Yep. Uh, the New York Times bestseller was a book called The Russia House by a name we've talked about several times, John le Carre. Okay, spy thriller. Yep, everyone loves those spy, spy novels. They make for good stories, uh, admittedly. Mm-hmm. And my random fun fact for 1989, a, a MiG-29 pilot... And may, this might be uh, influenced by the fact that the Top Gun movie just came back out. Mistakenly ejected after takeoff from Poland, but the aircraft continued to fly for 560 miles on autopilot, only to crash into a house in Belgium, killing a teenager. So, oh, jeez. So, wow, a fun story. Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of a random, random fact. Uh, how, do, how do you fuck that up? How do you eject yeah. right after takeoff? Mm-hmm. And that just mistakenly, yeah, like, yeah you, know, you press the wrong going. button and and ejected, and the the plane kept flying. I, yeah, that's, you that's, know, I don't I don't know why they didn't tell someone and then try to blow it out of the sky. Of course, then you if you if you if you blow up a plane in the middle of the air, then you have the all the pieces that are come flying down. So you yeah, end up with a bigger problem. So anyway, that was uh, 1989. <laughs> all right, well, John and I are gonna start puppeting a corpse all over the place and go for a big party uh, we're gonna talk weekend at bernie's how stupid <laughs> but whatever <laughs> weekend at bernie's 1989 this t- this film was directed by ted kotcheff uh he also directed rambo the first blood film that's a good one and plenty of other things but that was definitely his biggest hit 
It was written by Robert Klain. Uh, He did the sequel. He also wrote episodes of MASH and National Lampoon's European Vacation. And apparently, this movie is loosely, very, very loosely based on a 1959 novella called The Two Deaths of Quinsas Wateryell by Jorge Amado. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, The cast for the film. Bernie Lomax is played by Terry Kaiser. Tons of stuff, but it's mostly all small parts. Yeah. Larry is played by Andrew McCarthy. He was in Pretty in Pink, Mannequin, and St. Elmo's Fire are his biggest ones. Uh, He actually then got into directing, and so he's been doing a lot of TV directing, including Blacklist, Orange is the New Black, and Gossip Girl. Oh. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Richard Parker is played by Jonathan Silverman. Uh, He was in Little Big League, Caddyshack 2, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Yeah. The things. Yep. And Gwen Saunders is played by Catherine Mary Stewart. Uh, she was in the movie Mischief and Last Starfighter is kind of all I recognized from her credits. Okay. She's, she was in a decent amount of stuff. She had a familiar look to me, though. But maybe yeah. it's just from watching this movie. That's Yeah, that's possible. That's probably it. Uh, Polly is played by Don Kalfa. Uh, or Kalfa. Uh, he was in Return of the Living Dead, 1941. Plenty of stuff but not a whole bunch that I recognized him. Vito, played by uh, Louis Giambalvo, Giambalvo probably. Um, he was in The Deadpool, Real Genius, Airplane 2, good bit of stuff. Uh, and Tina was played by Catherine Parks. She was in Friday the 13th Part 3 and a few small parts and some other things, but not a lot of stuff yeah. for her. So this movie was a minor success. Um, it had a budget of $15 million and it made $30 million. It did okay, enough for them to make a sequel in 1993. Right. So, and that one I think I saw was like a $7 million budget and made 12 something million. So neither of them were like massive hits. So I think this was definitely a movie that made its mark on VHS and probably replay on TV. That I could totally see that. And that's what I remember most about this movie. I feel like this is one that we rented on VHS way back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember what parent we saw it with or in what was the context, but I'm almost dead certain we saw this, probably not on TV, but I think on, on uh, you know, Blockbuster Rental or something like mm-hmm. that. So so we're going to start off and we're going to kick things off with the song Hot and Cold by Jermaine Stewart. We then meet Larry and Richard, and we kind of get, you know, establishments of who they are. Larry's this goofball type, and Richard is the stuck-up-the-butt kind of professional type. We're going to see that in Perfect Strangers. I think that's what kind of <laughs> kind of makes a little sense with those two properties. But um, they both work at a finance corporation. Larry is, um, you know, he forces Richard to go up to the beach, is what he says. But the beach is the roof of the building, and they're doing some work there. He's Larry's always trying to either get out of work or just trying to relax. That's all mm-hmm. he wants to do. We see tar everywhere, kind of silly, ridiculous, because I guess it's that hot of a day. Yeah. Uh, but Richard found a life insurance error that's been worth two, that's worth $2 million total. And they're like, oh man, we need to report this so we can move up the corporate ladder. Then we see this girl that Richard likes, but he doesn't really have the confidence to ask her out. They then talk to Mr. Lomax, Bernie Lomax, who is the big wig at, the, at this company, and he doesn't have time for them. You know, we got to talk to him later. Uh, but also we see 
Gwen and kind of as she kind of notices Richard who walks out who's very nervous and kind of hides his face with a briefcase and she smiles at that she obviously kind of they're setting up that she thinks he's cute yeah all right they see uh Lomax out to lunch with this hot woman and basically they're just like damn man how does he how does he get this life um eventually Richard does talk to Gwen and gets a date with her right. you know kind of awkwardly but makes it happen good for him yeah Richard though He's, he's not sure what to do, you know, where to take her and whatnot, because uh, we find out he still lives with his parents. So that will come back yeah. in a very underwear-driven way I like that. So <laughs> they finally go to see Mr. Lomax, and they start to tell him about the financial error, but he goes into the bathroom just mid their conversation, definitely doing some coke. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did not pick that up when I was younger. Nope. No, absolutely. He was... Uh, you know, sniffing some snow, if you know what I mean. So they talk about this stuff, but he calls them out. He says, no, 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 you guys messed up. This is this is a fuck up. But you can immediately, and you, you know, even the audience can obviously tell, Bernie is the one who is defrauding the company, and yeah. he's trying to, like, hide it from them. Yeah. So he doesn't want them to uncover it. But, so, but hmm. Rich did his due diligence. He did, yeah. He was actually, you know, for... If the boss was not corrupt, Rich would have made like a big promotion, saved $2 million. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was doing that. But uh, so Bernie's trying to like, you know, distract them, um, you know, from this. And he offers them to join him at his beach house. They're all excited. Like, man, he loves us. He loves us. Cut to Bernie talking to like these mob guys. And they're like, you need to kill these two guys. <laughs> that was a good edit. I enjoyed that. Yes, it was. So obviously Bernie has been you know, embezzling this money maybe for the mob or partly probably a good bit for himself, all that kind of stuff. So he talks to them. This one woman there, Tina, uh, who's the wife of Vito, is flirting with Bernie. Her, but her, that doesn't matter. Huh? It's girlfriend, not wife. Girlfriend. You're right. You're right. It is girlfriend. But her foot is right up into Bernie's crotch. <laughs> She's having a good time, enjoying that. But, uh, you know, Bernie proposes, make it like a murder-suicide situation. They all agree, and so that's going to be the plan going forward. But, of course, right after Bernie leaves, Vito tells Polly, his, like, main hitman, I want you to take out Bernie instead. He's getting careless with this stuff. Also, he's screwing Tina, yep. which, so, obviously, Vito knows about this that we could see under the table. I mean, he didn't know about that, but there's, it's obviously that had been happening for a while. Well, and she leaves immediately after Bernie leaves, mm-hmm. clearly to follow him. Yes, and even they send their other guy to go kind of watch what they're doing, which they make out in the middle of the fucking street. Like, if I, I was know, Bernie... I they were, know, they were not careful at all. No. So, I mean, if, if I was, you know, getting in with the mob, and if I was having an affair with the mob's bo- mob's uh, girlfriend, I would, I would be so much more careful than that. I, yeah. <laughs> Well, I, to, to be fair, I feel like Bernie was trying to be careful. Tina was the one who was reckless. True. True. Tina was. So Richard goes on the date with Gwen and things seemingly go well. They go to, uh, you know, they're having a, it's not the, not the fanciest of dates, mm-hmm. but you know, they, she's like, oh, what do you want to do after this? And so they end up going to his place, which we know his parents live there, but he's lying to her, um, telling her that, you know, oh, no, he he owns this place and his parents died and left him it and all this kind of stuff. And that's how he. And I don't know it. what I don't know what he expected to happen. Uh, that was. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't know either. Like It just it just seems particularly strange. Now, nowadays, hell. You could just rent an Airbnb while <laughs> even on the date. If the girl had to go to the bathroom, rent an Airbnb right then and there. And then, boom, <laughs> this is my apartment. Can't tell me otherwise. <laughs> yeah. 
well, yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So they go back to his place and they start making out on the couch pretty hard, hot and heavy. Uh, and then this guy just walks out in his underwear. And this was definitely a scene that, like, you know, once it popped in, I was like, oh yeah, good scene. I remember this as a kid. It's one you like die laughing as a kid. Rich tries to pull it off like it's his butler, but it's not. It's not. It's his father. She figures it out and she leaves because she's upset about him lying to her. Yep. And that is the director. Oh, okay. Nice little cameo. He's got a good dad bod, I'll say. Yeah. 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 So uh, Bernie, uh, we cut to him. He's out on his boat on his island, living it up. Uh, we see Polly uh, gets out there on the island. And we know we know Polly is there for Bernie. Bernie yep. thinks Polly is there to kill the two guys. Larry and Richard eventually get onto the ferry, and they're going to make their way over there as well. Polly then, very discreetly, takes care of Bernie. Bernie is yep. dead. Yep. Instantaneous. <laughs> yes. Uh, Larry and Richard go over to Bernie's place, and they eventually find him, and they think he's just drunk, passed out, because, you know, Bernie's a big party guy. He's definitely doing coke and other shit all this time. Mm-hmm. So then they see these uh, planted drugs in his pocket that we know Polly left there. Right. They realize he is dead, and but they're too afraid to call the cops because they think that they might be suspected of killing him. And so... Which is stupid. It's so stupid because, I mean, yes, initially you're going to be looked at like that, but there's it was going to be very clear that yeah. they were not involved. Yeah. Uh, unless unless the police were incredibly incompetent. No, I mean, you could say, hey, I found these drugs on my person. We just got here from the ferry. Like, they've got right. good trackable alibis to an extent. Right. And especially, it seems fitting for Larry's character Richard's character, not so much. And of course, he is the one who kind of pushes back a bit um, and is always kind of going to be the little bit more um, wants to do more of the straight man style. But they they don't even have time for it anymore, John, because all these people start coming into the house and it's just right. like this is party central. People just busting in and everyone is a complete idiot, not <laughs> noticing that he's dead. Well, they, they're, they're just there to party. They don't even care. I'm sure some of them don't even know who Bernie is. No, yeah, exactly. They're just uh just to find out, but it does it does make like a I guess one of the flaws on the film is that uh, Ebert, Roger Ebert, he hated this film and he gave it a 1 out of 4 stars and said it makes two mistakes. It gives us a joke that isn't very funny and it expects the joke to carry on for the entire movie. And there is <laughs> a bit of uh, validity to that because it's like the joke that People don't realize he's dead is the is the movie. That's the yeah. fucking movie. <laughs> and partly it's like, how can you not realize he's dead? <laughs> but that is the whole thing. So that's we're going to get that for another hour, uh, at least in this one. All right. Richard wants to try to call the police, but Larry wants to take advantage of Bernie's corpse uh, and basically <laughs> partied up and what him. And Richard's about to call until... This is really what stops Richard's character from calling. He sees Gwen at the party and his raging boner stops him from doing the right thing, which honestly is pretty accurate. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) kind of real life. So uh, Larry is kind of you start to see a little bit. He's starting to puppet him, uh, Bernie, a little bit here and just ridiculousness ensues and all this wacky stuff. And he ends up falling down into the sand at one point. Richard goes to talk to Gwen. You know, they have a little romantic thing over at a lighthouse. He Then he stupidly looks into the light at the lighthouse and falls down like the trap door and eh, just stupid. Then they start making out on the beach and they're about to fuck. 
Like they're about to uh-huh. fuck on the beach, and then Bernie, who was on the sand, got washed up. The tide came in and kind of washed his body right beside them, which is funny. I like the gag. Yeah, but I was just like, "Damn, she's ready to fuck you right on the sand right now." That's hot. <laughs> I, I will say this is just stupid little nitpicky thing. Uh, why would anyone build their house right up to where the tide comes? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I feel like I've seen some houses, you know, yeah, that are like raised up. Right. Yeah, that are that are kind of in that area, but yeah, it goes right there. All right, after the party, uh, they get Bernie. They bring him back into the house. There's some loud, angry woman who stomps in, and it's Tina. And then she apparently goes up to the bedroom and fucks the body. What? I, I guess Rigamortis is sent in. Well, it certainly hasn't because we've seen him like move around floppy after this. But yeah, <laughs> it's. We're having them make a big stretch with, I mean, obviously the stretch of nobody notices he's dead. I mean, granted, we've, we've already talked to a movie where somebody fucked a dead body clerks. Right. <laughs> but they did talk, I think, Rigor Mortis. They, that, they, that one made a little bit more sense because the dude was looking at porn at the point yes, when he died. He died with a boner. There's no way Bernie could have gotten hard because he probably wasn't didn't have a boner when he died. Right. And I don't think Rigor Mortis creates boners, but I don't know enough about dead bodies dead bodies so i'm not too sure uh then one of uh, vito's guys who was kind of checking in on the situation you know says he saw tina there and that he thinks lomax is alive because they're still fucking and so the next day uh, larry continues the whole charade if you will and now he's adding a whole pulley system to bernie haha to move him <laughs> around and Make him seem like he's alive to the beach people. Uh, Polly goes back out there to try and kill him for sure. Uh, Richard, you know, still wants to call the police, but Gwen comes by to see Bernie again because she wants to, you know, thank him for the internship and shit. And so he tries to explain to her, but, you know, that he's dead, but she doesn't believe it right now. Larry gets rid of the body at this point, you know, uh, which lands on Polly and there's a whole fake fight thing, you know, under the deck and whatnot, which I thought was Mm -hmm. stupid. The body, at this point, the body is cold. <laughs> you touch the flesh. I mean, we know it. Yes. Even rigor mortis. You touch the flesh. You, your blood stops moving. You get cold. Okay. Yeah. It is very unbelievable. I know we are supposed to stretch it. And there's humor that comes from stretching it. But there's also a point. <laughs> it just gets ridiculous. So, all right. Richard goes to the phone. And it happens for some reason. This is also not explained to me unless I missed it. The phone was apparently recording the conversation that Bernie had with the mob on the phone, which yes. I don't. Was that was that set up? Yes, it was set up. OK, then so, I just I just missed it. Yeah. So when Bernie goes in, the phone is ringing uh-huh. and he's trying and people are trying to get his like his workers and stuff are trying to get his attention. He's trying to get to the phone. The answering machine goes off and then he picks up the phone and talks to Polly. Okay, I missed that connection. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank so, you. So and then and I do remember that was a thing where like if in some answering machines uh mm-hmm. if it started to go off, once you picked it up, it actually would record yeah. what was going on on the phone conversation. Okay. So I mean, yes, all right. So that legitimately is a thing. And they hear Bernie talking to Polly about wanting Polly to kill them. And so they also find this money and these fake notes that they were supposed to do that was basically going to set up, you know, their murder suicide. I did like that Rich put it together that Bernie was the one stealing from the company because I feel like if yes. they hadn't closed that loop, not that it would have ruined the movie, but it was just it was something that needed to be 
said out loud because at that point it really wasn't said out loud that Bernie was yeah. the one stealing from the company. You're right. You're right. So that I, I agree. But at this point, they think that the guy who got hired to kill them is probably still coming out after him. We know the guy is going for Bernie, but they think it's still going after him. Mm-hmm. They try to call the police on the island, but this it's a small island. Some guy named Ed is not in right now, and that's right. whatever. That's it. So, uh, so yeah. So they're they're freaking out. So they grab Bernie. Uh, they clean him up. You know, he was just uh, buried in sand, I think, by a kid. Some shit mm-hmm. like that. Then they see a gun, but it was that same kid who went into the room and like shot him with a fake gun. It was stupid. It was dumb. And at first, at very first, I thought, oh, is that the kid from Problem Child? Because he kind of looked like him a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I looked him up, and it was not the okay. same kid. In fact, actually, that kid only had like six acting credits mm-hmm. between then and 2019, but he's since become a fairly prolific TV director. Oh, that's cool. Wow, good for you, kid. All right, so they take Bernie. They do some more faking and stuff, and they're going to try to get on the ferry to get off the island. But, you know, they tie his shoes to their shoes and like they're all walking, you know, in arms around Bernie, which is totally natural. That's how you, me and everybody else walks around. Nobody thinks it's crazy. But Polly, who is heading away from the island from killing Bernie again, sees Bernie walking now uh, because, sorry, Bernie had he had that fake fight where he strangled him. And I guess he right realized he was dead then. Uh, but now he sees him walking around. So now he wants to jump back off. So they can't, they miss the ferry just barely. And so, they, oh, shit. But they realize Bernie has a boat. So they'll head back to go get his boat. This guy comes over, kind of like a contractor or something. Richard worried that the assassin who's going to, who was uh, hired to kill them, knocks him out with like a statue or a brick or something. I can't remember. It, it was like a like a log or something. A log, yeah, like a log from the fireplace or something. Yeah, like that. that's it. And uh, that first that first guy at the towards the beginning when they when we first see uh, Bernie's beach house, there's a guy sleeping under his house. That's and he, that's him. He, that's him. He kicks him out. Gotcha. So okay. I, for some reason, the guy felt slighted by the fact that Bernie <laughs> kicked him out of the house that Bernie owned. Yeah. So he came yeah, back. Was... I don't know what they intended to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in comes the gardener, and they do the same thing, knock him out, and they kind of tie them up, put them in a closet. Uh, so they take Bernie's boat, and they try to leave, but it's still tied down. They're too stupid to know you have to untie a boat from their from the, sho- the shoehorns or whatever they're called. Well, when you're panicking, sometimes you make mistakes. Valid, valid. And I'm not a big boat guy. I, sh- I know I would fuck up something if right. I was trying to take out a boat on my own. Um, and of course, haha, they're still tied on hijinks and Sue. It causes a big mess and eventually they get going. Um, but Bernie, who is tied into the boat, ends up being dragged. And it's kind of funny, yeah. but it's also just kind of dumb, too. <laughs> <laughs> By this point, I feel like his limbs would start falling off if he had that much, you know, blunt trauma. Right. Um, to the to the corpse that's been yep. dead for at least 24 hours by now. Yeah. But anyway, they run out of gas. And uh, they didn't check the gas in there. So what do they do? They use Bernie's dead body as a buoy, and they <laughs> swim. They swim back to the uh, to the house with that. And Polly continues to go after them right now. Um, so they get back to Bernie's house. Gwen shows up, and they show her Bernie's dead body. So now she is fully in the know. Um, those two guys who got knocked out earlier bust out of the closet door and get knocked out again immediately. Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't really need any of that. 
could have just cut all that. But uh, then then Polly comes in and he shoots Bernie multiple times, who is already dead. And so, uh, but now he has witnesses because Richard and Larry and Gwen are there. So he's going to kill all three of them. But, you know, uh, they have to chase scene, shooting after them, whatnot. They end up stopping him, tying him up. That's the end of Polly. We cut to the coroner taking Bernie away. The uh, police slash insane asylum people are taking Polly away, who kind of kept muttering to himself, he's alive, he's still alive, because that's what he's been dealing with, trying to mm-hmm. kill Bernie this whole time. And, of course, the ambulance that is uh, taking away Bernie, which wouldn't have been an ambulance. They would have just grabbed a coroner because he's been dead for a long time, but whatever right. it is. Ridiculously didn't strap him in properly. and was kind of a doofusy guy, I guess, and... Bernie's All the body. emergency services on this island are incompetent. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And the body rolls down to the beach and it lands right behind Bernie or right behind Larry, Gwen, and Richard, who are sitting on the beach. Ha ha ha. Wacky fun. And they still think, oh my God, he's following us, kind of. It's it's silly. And that is the end of the movie. And I that might be the fastest I've ever talked about a movie. <laughs> it moves pretty quickly it's only about an hour and a half yes it does move fast and it's not like it's not like everything needs to be said beat by beat on every little thing i mean i hit all the main points of the film yeah i did speak about it fast and i and i'll just go ahead and do my notes sure it's not a good movie we (laughs) knew it was not going to be a good movie it's completely unbelievable and honestly i think i remember the sequel being better i kind of like the wacky voodoo element where you get the Bernie dance. (laughs) When he starts walking, I swear to God, I laughed every time as a kid. Like he just did ridiculous. This is also, I might say by far, not the worst movie we have reviewed on this podcast. It is stupid, but there is, there is something to be said about unplugging your brain a little bit. Right. And just sitting and watching and this kind of, I think, fits in that so bad it's good or maybe it's so bad it's okay, so bad it's yeah. watchable category. And so I didn't hate this one. I didn't hate it, but I also can't say I, I loved it. Right. Well, this one had a huge you know, nostalgic kick for us because we watched it yeah. so much when we were a kid. Oddly enough, my kids were very excited to watch this movie with me because, and I don't know if this makes us bad parents, Right now, both of the both of our kids' favorite TV show to watch, especially my daughter, is How I Met Your Mother. And oh, there's okay. that whole like weekend at Barney's yes. joke that kind of through lines through a lot of the show. Because of that, they were excited. Like when I told them we were, I was going to watch it, they were like, "Oh wait, that's a real movie." <laughs> and like, yes, it was an absolute. It was a real movie. So that both of them were excited to watch it, and I think in general they actually enjoyed it because there's a lot of slapstick elements that little kids would love. And I remember loving when I was a kid. Yes, the goofy shit going on with with uh, you know with Bernie's dead body and him getting dragged over those buoys yeah. on the water and all kinds of stuff. There were some slow parts that I, I'm, I'm sure they, their attention waned a little bit, but there was enough of the goofy shit that I think they really did actually like it and immediately were like, is there a Weekend at Bernie's 2? <laughs> Why, yes, there is. At some point, I'll either I'll, I'll, I'll put it on for them. You know, I don't necessarily, I may not watch it myself. A good example of that is that we were feeling particularly nostalgic one day and we showed them, look who's talking. Okay. My daughter loved it so much, she made me put on Look Who's Talking 2 and Look Who's Talking 3 
for her eventually. Like I, she come home from school and was like, I want to watch the next one. So mm-hmm. I would just put it on and I would walk away. Yeah, I'm like I don't want to watch the rest of this. But <laughs> and so they've got, they've really come to love some of these older ones. In fact, last night we just showed them the Karate Kid Part Two. Okay. And my son was like, you know what? I think I like this one better than the first one. And uh, I was like, cool. I, and to be fair, I can see how it is because there's a lot more like fun actiony kid stuff that happens throughout. Karate Kid Part 2 as opposed to Karate Kid Part 1 where like the big fun stuff happens at the end yes. of Karate Kid Part 1. So I, I, I can kind of see all that. Um, for me, you know what? It, it, it The pace actually moved fairly quickly. I thought it was going to drag drag a little bit. I remembered a lot more scenes mm-hmm. uh, going in than I thought I was going to. You're right. It's not a good movie, but it, it is one of those, it's so bad, it's just fun. Yeah. yeah. And so- um, I don't think I'll see myself going to find this or going to rewatch it, but if you know the kids want to watch it again or if they want to watch Weekend at Bernie's 2, I'll probably watch that with them. All right, now we are going to talk Perfect Strangers. Uh, this was a show that ran from 1986 to 1993. Eight seasons, 150 episodes on ABC. Uh, it was actually kind of the um, show that anchored their original TGIF, that Friday night lineup that they kind of became famous for. And the show itself usually ranked among Nielsen's top 40 programs for its first six seasons. It was uh, never a huge, huge hit, but it was consistently uh, pretty strong in its time slot. So mm-hmm. it uh, was created by Dale McRaven. He was a writer on Dick Van Dyke, Gomer Pyle, The Partridge Family. Um, and he also created shows uh, called Texas Wheelers, Angie, and his most famous creation besides this one, Mork and Mindy. He did that one. He, uh, a producer claimed that uh, the inspiration from this series came in the wake of the 1984 Olympics, apparently, when America experienced like a wave of patriotic sentiment. And they kind of thought to themselves, what would it be like for an immigrant to move here and, you know, all this kind of stuff? I don't know. Hmm. Whatever. So uh, the cast for this show. Balky, Balky, Balky is that how you pronounce it, right? Balky, Balky, yeah, Balky, Balky Bartokomos, Bartokomos. Bless you. Sure, thank you. Uh, it was played by Bronson Pinchot, Pincho, Pincho, I think. Pincho, yeah, he was in Risky Business, Beverly Hills Cop, and a couple of Beverly Hills Cop movies, and True Romance as well. He almost turned this one down because he felt like the character was too much like his character from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, okay. Okay. Which I, it's not exactly the same, but I can see it's a little over the top and that sort of yeah. thing. So I could see I could see the connection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Larry Appleton was played by Mark Lynn Baker. Uh, he's had a few bit parts and things, Blue Bloods and some other stuff, but like nothing huge. This was mm-hmm. definitely his biggest role. I will say Louis Anderson was originally cast instead of Mark Lynn Baker. And really? his, his character was named Lou, and you can find it only on the pilot. They have the a, a pilot that I think was released eventually, um, but they didn't love the dynamic, and so they replaced Louis Anderson with Mark Lynn Baker huh. on the show. Yeah. I, I really don't know what, what it would have been like having Louis Anderson. I don't think it would have fit. I think no. he's you gotta you gotta have the goofball mixed with the straight man. Yeah. Louis Anderson is too much of a goof, I think. Right. 
So uh, Jennifer is played by Melanie Wilson. She's been in a few things, but nothing nothing really worth note. Uh, Marianne is played by Rebecca Arthur. She was in Scrooged and some other small parts and stuff. And Mr. Twinkasetti, uh, he was the boss. He only shows up in like a small handful of episodes. I guess maybe like 20-something episodes. Mm-hmm. But I want to call him out because he is a voice, or he's played by Ernie Sam, uh, Sabella. Uh, he was Mr. Carosi on the Save by the Bell you know, when they're in the uh, Malibu Sands ah. season. And then also he was the voice of Pumbaa in The Lion King. Oh, okay. So that's, and like ton, pretty much anything Lion King, including that main first movie, he does the voice of Pumbaa and all the TV shows, all the video games. Like he just dove into Pumbaa life, it seems. so. Okay, cool. And then the last kind of cast I want to bring up is Harriet Winslow. Yes, you heard that right. Harriet Winslow was played by Joe Marie Payton. And you would also know her playing Harriet Winslow on The Family Matters. Uh, so she was in 33 episodes of the Perfect Str- of Perfect Strangers, and Carl Winslow even made an appearance, Reginald Val Johnson, on one episode. Uh, Family Matters was a spinoff from Perfect Strangers. Oh, that's I forgot about that. I knew that it was a spinoff, and I could never remember which one because this seems like such an unlikely show mm-hmm. to have a spinoff. Yeah. So Harriet was a like an elevator operator. Um, back okay. when that was a thing, right? <laughs> so, uh, so she would show up in like the first uh, few seasons or, or whatever it was, or maybe it was like um, I can't remember a couple, maybe seasons four and five. I don't remember what seasons that she was on, but but yeah, they decided to spin off that character. But obviously, Family Matters kind of Harriet was a big part of it, but turned into like the Carl Winslow show, right? And of course, this the Urkel show down the line, yeah. but um, but yeah, so that's kind of a that's that's and, and it's not too often that the spinoff becomes bigger. Than the main show, and so right? That's pretty cool. I want to talk before I guess anything else about what do you remember of Perfect Strangers? I don't remember too much. I definitely remember it being on. Uh, probably watching a few episodes here or there if it was in between a couple shows I wanted to watch, or if it was just on a channel and I just let it run that sort of thing. So I definitely remember seeing some episodes. It was not a, a show I shied away from, but it definitely was not regular television for me. Yeah, and I was very similar. Um, I mean, it's funny because a lot of the other shows around this on like the TGIF, I remember fondly the Full House, mm-hmm. uh, Step by Step, Family Matters, of course. Um, a lot of those ones are fond in my nostalgia, but this one... Not so much. Not to say it's not there a tiny bit, because I know of it and I knew it was a thing, but I always felt it was more adult, where Family Matters had kids that you could relate to, of course, of course Full House, as did Step step by Step, and, all, and a lot of those other kind of shows that, where I could relate to them. This show, I had no relation. It was two adults, right. and you know, it just didn't feel like it suited for me, and so I never really watched it when I was younger. But, John, I did... Love that theme song. Sometimes the world looks perfect. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. No matter Long lost friend gives every dark street a light at the end. Standing tall on the wings of my dream, rise and fall. 
That theme song I actually even ranked in my top 80s. Um, I believe I ranked it in my top 80s uh, theme sitcom theme songs. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, performed by David Pomerantz, uh, written by Jesse Friedrich, who did all the theme songs for Full House, Family Matters, Step by Step, which are all classic. Um, and I did like the intro. Watching the intro for this uh, research, it kind of gave you everything you needed to know. Like, literally, I could have started... I started with episode one and I watched that one, but I could have started from like season four or five. And if it kept that same intro, you see, here's like this straight American dude. Here's this uh, guy from Mepos Mm -hmm. and just kind of wacky fish out of water comedy. And like you get it all, you get it all figured out in that song and that intro. So the, the whole show was fish out of water comedy of this, you know, the, the relationship between Larry and his distant cousin, bulky, Mm-hmm. Which, when even in episode one where he says, oh, I'm the fifth cousin once removed uh, to the step something. I said, I'm up. The second you said step, yep. <laughs> you've lost some blood. Not to say, I, I'm not, I don't believe step or family, because of course they're family. Right. But when you get to that level, <laughs> and that you, you've done a lot more of this ancestry than I have. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's gone. You're done. Not even yeah. just the step. The fifth, fifth cousin. Like, hell, I'm probably fifth cousins to, to Barack Obama. Like, right. I feel like you, we're all kind of that close. Yeah. You know, it's some. You know, it, it's surprising, like, you don't have to go that far to just completely lose track of people. You know, you've probably met family that you didn't even know were family mm-hmm. um, at, at some point uh, out there. I've, I've done a lot of research. Um, and, you know, it would have made sense if, like, maybe, like, they had visited each other when they were like kids or something. Cause I've, I've there, yeah. there is extended family that I've gotten to know better because of a certain connection or, or seeing them regularly. But n- normally you just don't visit that kind of, unless you have a big giant family reunion regularly, mm-hmm. you just don't ever see or often even meet those people. No, yeah, I agree. It should have been like second cousin once removed or twice or whatever. But you're right. Have it so they have met at one time, like when they were young, and and you know have Larry be like, oh yeah, bulky. I haven't talked to you since I was six. Right. You know, at that one family reunion. Boom. That's yeah. all we needed. And but otherwise, hell, it seemed like it, there could be a conspiracy theory out there. That or you know a fan theory. That this is just a scam. Balky's just a scam artist this entire time because it's right. very possible. <laughs> so I'd believe it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Another thing that I really want to mention, and it was used so much at that time. Watching this show, the laugh track pissed me off. <laughs> you know what? It it did with me too because it was it was way too noticeable. It was yeah. It was like mixed up super loud, and they used it like every two seconds. I swear. Even yeah. stuff that like really wasn't a joke. They put in the laughs, put in the laughs. And like, you know what I do? I'm glad that we kind of now we're in this society for, for shows and in the TV world where I don't need the editors to tell me when I'm supposed to laugh. The comedy is going to tell me when I'm supposed to laugh. And so I, I very like, very much enjoy that we've gotten away from laugh tracks. And yeah. when you go back and watch sitcoms with them, boy, is it noticeable. One thing that bugged me was like Balky had like this 
you know, he had to have a catchphrase. And it seemed like yeah. his catchphrase was, don't be ridiculous. Yeah. Because he said it. So I'm going to, I admit, I only watched one episode. I watched the uh, first episode, and the dude said that, I swear, like 10 times. Of course I have. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> of course not. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Don't be ridiculous. Ridiculous. I also only watched one episode, and it was the first episode. <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, that was the only one I could watch for free. Ah, uh, okay. It's on Freevee right now, which is basically owned by uh, Amazon Prime, so it's on Amazon for people. Okay, well, I, I, it said it was on Amazon Prime, but when I got on Amazon Prime, it only said the first episode was available for free. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I honestly, I didn't continue to check, but I, I thought, I thought well, well, it doesn't matter. after I watched that episode, I wasn't going to bother trying to find another episode anyway. <laughs> I got you got the gist of the show. Yeah. And yeah, that was enough. So the show itself, it, it's it's fine. It did have a fee. It had a feel of like that late 80s, even 70s sitcom to me. Yeah. Where it's just wacky hijinks ensue. Here's the here's these two people, you know, and there's going to be some silly stuff and they're going to learn something along the way. Yep. Like that's it. That's the show. It worked, I think, for the time. It didn't have that, you know, it, it's stuck in its time, and I don't feel like it. it's one that you can go back and watch uh, much later and still identify too much with, uh, personally. Yes, it, it absolutely is a, is a product, you know, at least of its time, and, and it's probably good for that time. But um, let's see, uh, that character, Bulky, uh, originally was supposed to be of Greek descent, but the producers decided to make him from a fake country um to try to not piss anyone off and so that's I why mean, they fair i understand that that's smart even though he's very very greek yeah <laughs> obvious <laughs> but still um both actors uh bronson uh pincho and uh mark lynn baker attended yale university that's pretty cool okay smart dudes um and yes so yeah there's uh i don't know honestly if the catchphrase don't be ridiculous uh, was continued through the show. Um, they did have some other things. There was like this dance of joy that right. uh, I remember bulky that. would do. Uh, you know, it looks kind of silly to Americans. It's just kind of this whole thing, but that was, that was something that would reoccur every now and then. And apparently like on the, the, you know, live studio audiences um, when those two characters were like, if they were, or the actors were talking to them, uh, sometimes the audience would like ask them to do the dance and stuff. So they would. So ha ha ha. But yeah, Overall, it was fine. I'm not going to say this was a bad show. It was not a bad show. Mm -hmm. A product of those late 80s, early 90s. It felt dated to me, and I'm not going to check it out any further. Uh, largely, I completely agree. Um, actually, not even largely. I, exactly, I completely agree. <laughs> it was okay. a product for the time. It was fine. Definitely not a show I would seek out, go sit down to watch. I, and honestly, if it even if it showed up on TV, it probably would change the channel. To be yes. honest. Yep. No. <laughs> yes, I would too. This episode of the Blast from Our Past podcast is not brought to you by. Nothing gets to you, staying fresh, staying cool, with mental 
All right. Well, now we're going to do the casting portion of the show. We are going to recast Weekend at Bernie's using actors of today. And I'll be honest, honestly kind of shocked this one hasn't been uh, rebooted. This seems like one that might have been ripe for rebooting, especially when everyone was rebooting everything. And maybe maybe they took to heart how dumb the premise was. (laughs) I mean, but... In the world of so many different uh, streaming services, I feel like one of them wants to wants to do this. And I'm would sure. Do this. I'm sure. Uh, so we are going to do the characters of Bernie Lomax. We'll do both Larry and Richard, Gwen, and then just to kind of round things out, we'll also do Polly, Vito, even though Vito only shows up in one scene, and Tina, which is Vito's girlfriend, because she, yeah, she definitely has a guy. She fucked a dead guy. <laughs> So let's go ahead and start with, you know what, let's start with Vito, because he's the one who appears the least out of the ones we have. And Adam, let's start with you. Yeah, I uh, immediately jumped onto my list of Italian-American actors Mm -hmm. and looked through them and needed someone who had the right age for being a mob boss and definitely the right look. Um, I, he is a guy you, you probably remember most. And I actually remember him most from the movie judge dread, not dread, but the right. Stallone judge dread. Um, but he's been in a lot of different stuff and he is Italian, uh, New York kind of guy, but he's got the look and he is of the right age. I went with Armand Asante. I immediately saw that picture and I'm like, I know exactly who that is. Yes. You've I, seen him. He's been in tons of stuff. I, I, uh, I'm convinced he's actually in the mob. Like, he doesn't he many, look like it. <laughs> he looks like it. That's how many times I've seen him play mobsters of some kind. Yes. That's- uh, I think that's perfect. Uh, to me, Vito can be almost any age. He could be uh, a young mob boss, but he could also be an sure. older mob boss with a young girlfriend. I totally would see that in reality. And uh, I mean, Armand is older. And actually, the actor I picked is probably around the same age as Armand. I went with an older actor, too. So uh, that is totally plausible. I love seeing this guy. He's really good at what he does, and it would totally make sense for that. Cool. Um, I went with a bigger name than Armand, but one who has played his fair share of mob people. However, I would say the movie he is best known for, even though he plays a bad guy, I wouldn't say as a mob person, but I love this actor, and I think it would just be fun to bring him back for this fun cameo. I went with Joe Pesci. Ah, uh, okay. All right. Wasn't sure we were going to go with it. I th- I agree. You have him in for a scene, and be like, oh, shit, that's Joe Pesci. And then it's just like, yeah, he's making this hit, and he's a, a mob boss. I like it. I like it. It's cool. Yeah. That's a, you know what? Let's do this. Let's do it. It's a good call. Cool. Uh, all right. Well, let's, uh, since we did uh, Vito, let's go ahead and do Tina, the girlfriend who fucks the dead body. <laughs> yeah, she does. Um, uh, this one, I, I went for personality. I didn't necessarily do follow the Italian thing. I know she is Italian in this, but I went with an actress who is Spanish or is Latin. I could told her, see her playing a goofy role like this. She's sexy enough to be a mob boss's girlfriend and funny enough to do something like this. I went with Sofia Vergara. Okay. Yeah. 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 She can be, can have a little older, uh, Tina doesn't really matter because also Bernie Lomax is going to be older. Right. And she's got the voluptuous. I could totally see her being a mob 
girlfriend, mob wife. I, I say at that point, probably mob wife. Right. But yes, I, I like that call. I think I think she has those vibes very yeah. well. Well done. All right. Who did you go with? So I stuck with the Italian mentality mm-hmm. for my mobs. I like my mobs Italian. Um, and so uh, she's, and I think she's from New York, uh, the actress I went to, but she's best known for her, her comedy. I think she does a lot of more stand-up comedy, and that's kind of what I've seen her. I actually knew, know her best. Uh, oh, she's just from Rockford, Illinois, so she's not Italian at all, so, or she's <laughs> not uh, not New York at all, but I'm right. you know, she's an actress. Uh, I actually know her best from her voice work on Brickleberry, which actually is a show I actually kind of liked. A lot of people didn't care for Brickleberry, but I thought it was pretty damn funny. I have also seen her on Drunk History, and she's an overall pretty funny comedian with Natasha Legaro. Or it's a Legaro, okay. maybe, but it's L-E-G-G-E-R-O. Not someone I am familiar with at all. Okay. <laughs> I didn't. Oh, she was on a, a reboot of Crank Yankers. I didn't even know they did a reboot of Crank oh. Yankers. Huh. <laughs> it's probably probably didn't need to happen is my no guess. it probably didn't need to ha- i didn't even watch it when it was out um she ha- she definitely has the italian mob boss girlfriend look yeah so yeah. if we're just going on look i think you you nailed it with that one right, i think that works cool. really really well uh all right uh paulie paulie who couldn't seem to realize that he killed bernie three different times <laughs> And yeah. let's see who you went with. All right. I kind of went a nostalgic comedic route. Uh, he's not like a very big comedian or anything, but he's definitely nostalgic. And he's of the right age, you know, a little older kind of guy. Um, I think it'd be funny to see him in this show. I went with Richard Grieco as my Polly. Okay. Oh, God. Richard. <laughs> hold on. I got to look him up because that's a name I'm I'm very familiar with, but I don't think I've seen enough of his stuff. Yeah. 21 Jump Street, I think, was his... Uh, wasn't he was that with uh, no, Skeet Ulrich? But um, sorry, but Grieco was in. Um, God, he was like a he's like a teen th- heartthrob. Okay, he looks familiar. Yeah, he wasn't. He was okay. So he was in Twenty One Jump Street for eighteen episodes. So he was a smaller part in Twenty. I thought I remember him being in that one. Okay, all right. I had to I had to go into his okay. photos and, and look some of the older parts, but I definitely okay. recognize that guy. All right, cool. Definitely recognize that guy. Yeah, I could totally see him as Hitman. He was a good looking dude when he was young. He was a good, yeah, exactly. He's pretty sure he was a fairly heartthrobby for a lot of young ladies mm-hmm. back in the day. I mean, actually, just even look at some of the older ones. Like he looks like he could be a hitman. Yes, absolutely. So, and I think you know, I don't know, just kind of funny with the old school Greco mentality. So, yeah. Um, I also kind of went with a, an actor who he's played in a lot of uh, those style, the mob boss style mm-hmm. of, of movies. Um, he's been in, he was in Summer of Sam, he was in Goodfellas, and he was in The Sopranos, so he's got that, that cred. Mm-hmm. Um, usually he plays lower tier characters, so I think this one kind of goes with, you know, what he's done in the past. I went with Michael Imperioli. Oh, yep, I see his picture, and I immediately know that is a perfect call. Perfect call. So, he's a, he's a little bit older, but that's fine, so it was kind of Polly in the movie, and, yes. you know, he's yeah, just, yeah. He's, he's a long-time hitman, I totally see that. They're basically the same age, him and Greco, honestly. But yeah, okay. like that exactly. There, he's and I like that aspect about Paulie because like he was like an experienced hitman. They hadn't really done that for a while, and I think that's why he felt the need, like, oh, maybe I am screwing up because like, man, oh man, I haven't done this in a bit. So it all kind of worked in with the storyline, and mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think that's a very top notch call. Okay, I think I think either one of those would work just yeah. fine. Yep. All right, Gwen Saunders. To me, this one. You could almost pick anyone. 
Sure. It doesn't have to be any type, you know, any particular person. It's just going to be the, it's going to be the, the kind of the girl next door. And so I went with somebody who actually, I'm not really sure I've ever seen her play the girl next door. She's done a lot of action films. So this would be, I think, a departure for her. But I really love her in a lot of stuff. I just recently rewatched Mad Max Fury Road, and she was really, she had a small part in that one. She was really good. But I loved her Selena Kyle in The Batman. I went with Zoe Kravitz. Yeah. I mean, Zoe Kravitz is a beautiful, great young actress. I really liked The Batman. I liked her Catwoman interpretation. was very strong. Yeah, I don't really have anything bad to say about that. She, she can absolutely do that. Okay. She'd knock it out of the park. Yeah, it's, you know, it, it could almost be anyone at this yeah. point if, if it's just a generic girl next door role. Uh, the role might be beneath her unless they upped right. it a little bit. Right. But yeah. All right. Who'd you go with? I did go with a slightly with a lesser known uh, person than Zoe Kravitz. She actually and what I what I picked her from uh, is actually I've a show I worked on. That's oh. what I remember her from. I remember her best from a show I worked on. Now, she's done a bunch of other stuff. Uh, or, or not a bunch, actually. Looking at her credits, not a bunch. Some other stuff. Small bits here and there. She was on a show called The Lying Game, 2011 to 2013. But she still has been acting. Uh, she was on uh, As the World Turns for over 300 episodes. So she did she did that kind of acting for a while. I remember her from a show called Talent. It's credited as the Talent Show on IMDb, but it was just called Talent mm. uh, that I remember. Um, and that was a show I worked on. Oh. She has girl next door look and vibe to her. She's just absolutely beautiful um, and decent actress. So I think the girl next door feel would be perfect for her. It's Alexandra Chando. Yeah, I totally see that. I see the girl next door look. Mm-hmm. That totally works. I'm I'm fine with that. Pro- honestly, cool. probably a better call for the role than mm-hmm. the one I picked. Cool. All right. Uh, Richard. Richard was kind of the the uptight one. You know, the one who's always trying to get ahead, doing the extra work, always dressing nice of the two. Uh, Who did you pick for that? So I'm not sure mine is the right call, honestly. I was trying to update this, you know, with like, okay, what kind of like kind of the somewhat straight stick up the butt kind of person. I will straight up say this actor, I don't even really like that much as an actor, but I do like <laughs> I do like some of his movies, and he kind of plays the awkward guy. Well, that's all he plays, because that's all he's ever played. He plays the same fucking thing over and over again, but some of his stuff I do like, and so when you put him next to someone else, like with a goofball, he works well, um, thinking uh, particularly of Superbad. Uh, I went with Michael Sarah as my Richard. Okay. I, I could definitely see him... Uh, playing the straight man, I think, more than the goofball. Yes. How old is Michael Sarah now? Uh, he was born in 88, I think it was. Okay, so. so he's definitely in his 30s. Yes. But he's, I mean, he's got that young boy look, so. He, he can, does, and he that might be a problem. Well, I, 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 he could skew a little bit younger, because, I mean, to me, those, the two gentlemen were still in their, like, 20s. Yeah. So. Which I'd probably, I'm, I'm, I'm probably looking for more of, like, early 30s. Right. But so yeah, maybe maybe that would be an issue. But eh, we'll see. Mm, well, we'll see if maybe you like my pick a little bit better. Kind of for some reason, this guy was the first one that came to my mind thinking of the same thing. And he's actually only two years younger than Michael Sarah, but he definitely looks like he's in his his twenties. I went with Grant Gustin, who plays the Flash on CW's The Flash. Yeah, um, I've used him before a while back, but. 
I mean, I think he's got a better look for Richard and Okay. And and he's probably a better call acting wise because Michael Sarah just Sarah's up everything. <laughs> like and some of the stuff I love. Some of the stuff mm-hmm. I love. But I think he needs he needs to act uh, you know across from other people. So it all depends on how the Larry would work with him. So I don't know. It's it's, it's hard to say, but I, I like that call. Okay. He's he's good. Okay, cool. We'll go with that. Uh all right. Larry, the kind of the 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 slobby one of the of the odd couple. I I think I picked this guy because uh, I recently saw him in a movie. Actually, I rewatched a movie. Um, I took my son to see it in the theaters, but I didn't show it to my daughter, and so I was showing it to her, and I forgot that it was that he was in it, and she loved the fact that he was in it because he's in Stranger Things, and she is obsessed with Stranger Things. And uh, the movie I re- I showed her was Free Guy, and I went with Joe Keery. Okay, yeah, Steve in mm. Super uh, Stranger Things, I believe, is yeah. his character, the guy with the hair. Yeah, uh, and I really, really love him. In I still haven't watched any of season four, and I know I need to because I've heard really good things. We we were uh, when season four dropped, we were at the Phoenix Comic Con, and the TV in our hotel room had a Netflix on it. And mm-hmm. she made me sign in so that her <laughs> and my wife could watch uh, those first uh-huh. like eight episodes or whatever that they dropped, and, that, and they watched the whole thing. She's already watched through that the, those episodes like two or three times. Ha! Wow, I, yeah, I need to get on it. I'm behind though. I mean, I haven't watched any of the boys. Um, I'm at least an episode or two behind on Obi Wan. I need to need to get up to it. So and Miss Marvel just dropped too. Oh, that's right. I haven't watched Miss Marvel either. So yeah, I, I've got stuff to do. So cool. I like that call. Okay. Definitely like Joe Joe Keery. Cool. I, it seems like he doesn't quite play the goofy guy mm-hmm. in the stuff, but I feel like that's something that he could lean into. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you're Larry. My Larry. Yep. Um. So my guy has played slacker at times. He can be kind of goofy, not super goofy. Well, there's goofy elements to him. Absolutely. In Parks and Rec, he's not like a slobby kind of stuff that uh, some Larry I can still have, but I think he could absolutely pull that off just fine. I'm with Aziz Ansari as my Larry. Oh, I could. Yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, he's got slacker vibes. Yep, I to- that makes total sense. Um, I think, I, I mean, it's fine. I think you just made your guys a little bit older. Yes. You guys, and that's fine. That's fine. Cool. You know, especially in nowadays when, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to get into a company young anyway. <laughs> it's impossible, man. <laughs> it's impossible to move up in the world. The baby boomers are not dying off. They're keeping all the jobs. We're fucked. <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to have to get older and older before you make any money. Yep. Uh, all right. Our big guy, Bernie Lomax. Adam, I'm really interested to see who you picked. I think you're going to hate my call, mainly because it's it's a massive waste of this guy's talent. Um, <laughs> because Bernie barely talks. Right. <laughs> it's just all physical, which honestly, Tony Kaiser, or t- is it Terry Kaiser? I think it was Terry Kaiser. Terry, yeah. Honestly, Terry Kaiser... I don't think gets enough credit for his physical comedy that he does in this yeah. film. To be fair, yes. This guy, he can do literally anything, but I think when it comes to some of his physical comedy, it's pretty damn good, and he never shits the bed like his ex-wife. I went with Johnny Depp <laughs> as my Bernie Lomax. <laughs> I don't hate that pick. I actually think okay. that makes a lot of sense. Um, because that seems like that seems like the weird thing that Johnny Depp would do. The one <laughs> yeah. we were, because I mean, he's you know he does his big blockbusters, but then he'll go off and and do one of Kevin Smith's mm-hmm. you know movies. 
And I was I was thinking about like his Jack Sparrow, the movements and all yeah. this stuff, kind of like the free flow that you gotta have for a Bernie. No, I actually really like that. First of all, if you're gonna do a recasting of this one or re- reboot of this one, I feel like you're gonna have to get a big name to yeah. really draw in some people to make it worth it. And I I uh, I think that's I think that's a genius call. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Now, <laughs> all right, thank you. That I I actually it gives me hope that maybe you'll like my pick. Because in my okay. head, I was thinking you're either going to love my pick or you're going to hate my pick. Because I was kind of thinking in the same vein. I didn't go with Johnny, um, but I was thinking of like who's an actor who I could like if they if they announced that he was playing this, I would be like that makes sense because I could see him doing something just out of the blue weird like this, and I definitely would want the mustache on on this. I can't I can't see Johnny in anything other than that like goatee he has. Yeah. Um, but for this one, I would want the the Bernie Lomax mustache. And again, this is it's way beneath him because he's a he's gonna be a big draw. I went with Brad Pitt. <laughs> wow. Wow. I was that was an unexpected call, but I see him do some of this comedy stuff every now and then. Um, or like even in some of his roles. I I would never have thought that, but I would like to see it. That's the thing is like you, you when you say that I even told my wife that and she was like, "Damn, that's a good pick." It's yeah, it's it's different. It's different. <laughs> it's it would be funny to see him just do the physical comedy, and mm-hmm. it, it, it seems like something like he would be like, you know what? I've never done that shit. I'm gonna try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he he showed up briefly in Deadpool too, and yes, he, you know, just did some physical stuff. So, um, I think your pick makes the most sense. Uh, um, I think my pick would be the one that would be the most unexpected, but would draw would, a lot of yeah. people to, to to come in to see it. Yeah, like what the fuck is happening on yeah. this movie with <laughs> Brad Pitt being dead, yeah. flopping around? I I gotta say, I think we overall had some really good picks in this one. Uh, yes, I, there's potential. I think there yeah. is absolute potential for a weekend at Bernie's to come back and, you know, could they add more to the comedy so it's not the same joke over and over again? Right. Probably. You know, they could maybe maybe we can up that, but I think uh we've got some solid ass casts. Awesome. All right, folks, so that was our recasting of Weekend at Bernie's. Please join us next time as we are joined once again by Ben Young. We are super excited to have him on to talk our top 10 90s rap and hip-hop songs. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast at gmail.com. And if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam. And thanks for joining us. See you next time. Hey everybody, I'm Tim. And I'm Dean. And we're the hosts of Talking Back. We're a retro-based podcast covering movies, comics, video games, and more. Check us out every Monday where we hit the rewind button and dig into some of our favorite content from the past. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and informative. Do you feel like you need more nostalgia in your life? Then check out Talking Back. We're available everywhere podcasts are found.